Hey, it's me, your nutritionist. Just checking in to make sure that you're getting your daily servings of fruit, vegetables, and this podcast. Before we continue my first ever journey through the Harry Potter series, just wanted to say some words about what's going on. There's no real announcements for me because the world is a big question mark in this point in time. But I wanted to just say that I'm trying to be here for you all as much as possible from making content to doing additional content. I want to help you fight boredom as much as possible. I've been able to be a part of a LeakyCon live stream, which was very fun. I've done live streams on the Potterless Instagram account. I want to keep doing stuff like that. So if you want to see what's happening and new things that we're doing to keep the Potterless community together and entertained and give each other support. Just check us out on social media. If you search for it on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, we'll show up. And I just want to be there for everyone. It's been really nice and supportive to see the community keeping each other entertained. Like the Discord Trivia Night was the most populated one we've ever had. So it's been a good time to try and get us all together. So check us out there. That's the only real announcement that I have for this intro. And just everyone stay safe out there. Please be smart, self-isolate, wash your hands, do the recommended health precautions that you're supposed to. And I'm just wishing everyone the best. And if you just need someone to talk to, email is always open. Just shoot it to potterspodcast at gmail.com. And I'll try to be there for you in any way that I can. And speaking of people that are here for me and here for us and keeping the show going, we have a bunch of new patrons to welcome to the team. So shout out to Allison Carpenter, Megan McCasland, Reina, Yana Romanova, Shaked Ganat, Megha Chatterjee, Ann Pang, Jody Heron, Aaron Gall, Holly Jessica, Levi Cotter, Alexander Goya, Brett McCaff, Marie Hoffer, Taylor, Andrin Kaufman, Marie Weldy, Katie Bottenhorn, Kayla, Katie Lawrence, Emma Gray, Rachel Bruce, Allison, Michelle Belmont, the return of Efreen Rahman, and a very special belated birthday wish to Brody Barlack. Shout Shout out to Lizzie Hinson and Ritwick Siddhartha Devakaruni who upgraded their pledge, and a huge shout out to our new producer-level patrons, Eric Butler, Miranda Hurley, and the return of Rossanne Batamana. They joined the ranks of Vicky, Aaron, Clow, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemarie, Maria, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Ali, Amelia, Sarah, Ben, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, Haley, Moster, Alex, John, Noel, Liz, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Friede, Ivor, Summer, Andrea, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Addie, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Alicia, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Eileen, Keegan, Mr. Folk, Maya, Floor Series. Georgia Skyla, Adele, Professor Threat, Ellie, Elizabeth, Michael, Tiffany, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcus, Courtney, Marique, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, Julie, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Brianna, McKenna, Heather, Brad, Thomas, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Jarl, Haley, Ashley, Peter, Sophie, Jenna, Nicole, Callahan, Kylo, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Bill, Victoria, Elizabeth, Britt, Becca, Reese, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, T Run, Madison, Kyle, Tonks, GK, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, David, Maria, Matt, Okamahime, Yimki, Bony Pony, Jacob, Kelsey, Taco, Blowfish, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Colleen, Steen, Laurel, Steamed Nuggets, and Kent. Potter? Who never ruin a spades game by going nil when they shouldn't have and getting too many bags on top of that as well. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content such as bonus episodes, director's commentary, exclusive merchandise, exclusive live streams, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 118 of Potterless covering deleted scenes from the first four Harry Potter films guest starring Javi Draws. And welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a grown man who didn't read the Harry Potter series as a kid, read them as an adult, watched all of the movies, and now is doing special episodes about things beyond the movies. This is going to be about the deleted scenes for the first four Harry Potter films, and I am joined today by someone who also did not read the Harry Potter series as a kid, but then did as an adult. It's Javi, who's an illustrator. You can find her on Twitter at Javi Draws. Javi, how's it going? Hi, it's going great. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to have you. I hope you are staying safe 
in Pakistan washing your hands a lot. I feel like we need to document that this is being recorded on March 12th, 2020, mm -hmm. the day after the strangest day in the world where coronavirus stuff went down, the travel ban happened, the NBA got canceled, which hurt my feelings a lot. Mm -hmm. Harvey Weinstein got put in jail. Sarah Palin was on The Masked Singer. So many things happened in the oh, same wow, day. Oh, I didn't know about that last thing. Yeah, it was, <laughs> March 11th is gonna be the strangest day of all time. So I just kind of want to put a, a little like bookmark in history that we're recording this in a very strange time. I'm recording this from my apartment, not the studio, because I'm afraid to leave. Kelly, my wife, just made a giant Trader Joe's run. They were stopping the amount of people going into the grocery stores so it wasn't too crowded. Things are strange. Mm -hmm. So I would just say to everyone, wash your hands a lot. Every time I make a joke that I often make on the podcast, wash your hands. At least 10 times a day, yes. Honestly, yeah. I think people, instead of drinking games, should be playing wash your hand games. Yeah. <laughs> Do it to your favorite song or the introduction of this podcast. So we connected, Javi, because I found through Twitter that you also didn't read the Harry Potter books as a kid and read them as an adult, and you started listening to the show. So what is your history and background with not consuming Harry Potter content and now doing it later as an adult? Okay, so um, actually, when I was a kid, I actually did read the first Harry Potter book, okay. but I completely wiped it from my memory, like growing up. <laughs> and I also watched the movies, and surprisingly, I forgot all about them as well. Okay. Just about six months ago, I was getting major eye strain from constantly looking at my screen because I do digital art. Uh -huh. So I thought maybe I should read, and I thought about which book I wanted to read, and I thought, oh, Maybe I'll just go back to reading Harry Potter because I'm really into fantasy. So I think it was the first one that came to mind. So um, I ordered myself the whole book set for my birthday and I just started reading them all over again. That's fantastic. So what did you think of the series just reading it as an adult in general? Were you as snarky as I was? Did you just enjoy the books and not tear them to shreds like I've done? Actually, yeah, I was not snarky at all. I enjoyed them immensely. <laughs> Great, so you're a normal person is what you're saying. <laughs> I just couldn't put them down. Like I was actually neglecting my work because I was too busy reading Harry Potter and <laughs> tweeting all my reactions. Yeah. <laughs> That's fantastic. Now that you've read the books, have you watched the movies since? Yeah. As I finished each book, I went and I watched the movie that was based on it. Okay. That's exactly what I did. How did you feel about them? Oh my gosh. Watching the movies now, I can understand why I completely forgot what happened in each of them, mm -hmm. which is why I could read the books with like, not knowing any of the plot twists, anything. It's because like, there's so much in the books and it's so hard to cram them into like, two-hour, three-hour movies. Truly. So it just makes me sad that they had to leave a lot of stuff out. Right. And it's something that when we get into these deleted scenes, it's funny that at least in the second movie, all of the deleted scenes are the important plot things that make everything make sense. <laughs> it seems to be a common theme of what I've seen because when I recorded these movie episodes before this, I was like, wow, I can't believe they didn't do this or why didn't they go over this? And then now when I watch these deleted scenes, it's like, oh, they did film yeah. it. They just decided to cut them out. So yeah. everyone's very confused. It doesn't make sense because like when I was a kid, I remember I even went to the cinema to watch a few of these movies 
and I don't just didn't remember ever doing that. I don't know how. <laughs> and now I realize that it's because a lot of the stuff that happened in the movies, the, the pacing was so off that it just didn't make sense to me as a kid. And I just forgot everything because I just didn't understand what was going on. For sure. And I totally forgot all of the things in the movies because I watched the first four before I started reading them mm. for the podcast. And you can listen to the episode zero of Potterless where I try to lay out on the table everything I remember. And I was so wrong. I thought the three-headed <laughs> dog was in the second one. I thought the snake was in the first I one. Remember. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't good at putting them together. So let's get into these deleted scenes. We will be covering the deleted scenes for the first four movies. And the beginning of this is Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. So for everyone listening at home, if you want to watch these, what we watch for reference, there's a YouTube video that has a supercut of all of them. And you can go to the description, the episode description of this podcast and click the link and watch that if you want to. So the first deleted scene is a toe-to-head pan-up, slow pan-up of Dudley Dursley posing in his smeltings school uniform as Petunia photographs him. And Harry sees this, asks Vernon and Petunia, am I going to have to wear that too? They very snootily laugh and scoff at him at the thought of him going to smeltings. And then Petunia in an incredibly savage moment goes, don't be stupid. You're going to the state school where you belong. Then finally, you see a scene of Petunia boiling Dudley's old school uniform on the stove, uh, saying that she dyed it and that it'll fit Harry just fine. And that's the scene. <laughs> Harry is just so sassy in that scene, and I love sassy Harry. Yes. My favorite type of Harry. Yes, sassy Harry is definitely the best Harry. He is sassy in a lot of different ways here. First, he doesn't want to wear the smeltings uniform. Then he's sassy about wearing Dudley's old uniform to state school is not going to fit him. And... He's just so upset with Petunia, and I can see why they didn't put this scene in the movie, because I know that Vernon and Petunia are supposed to be cruel, but the disdain that they have for Harry when he yeah. asks questions of them seems so mean that I was a little uncomfortable watching the scene. I've heard people say that by the end of the series, like after hearing about the Dursley's, uh, especially Petunia's backstory, that she sort of redeemed for them in a way or they can understand her. But like, honestly, I can never understand her. No, <laughs> She's no one of the worst characters in the book. Like, that poor boy. I feel so sorry for him. Yeah, I get that she has a little bit of a complex backstory with the whole Lily and Snape thing. But yeah. it's not enough to redeem the way that she treats Harry. Yeah. And the movies, I think, paint her in a bit of a better light. Because this awful rendition of her is pretty on par with the books. In the books, they're way more cruel. Yeah, but exactly. then there's a thing in the seventh movie where they add that scene where she's like, you didn't just lose a mother. I lost a sister or all this other stuff it's mm. i don't know i don't know why the movies try to make her seem better it's like she's bad she's basically a villain it's okay if the villain is not likable yeah like you don't need to redeem every single character it's fine totally, totally. <laughs> let some characters be evil yeah let us hate some people it's totally fine they're bad they're very bad yeah <laughs> so the next scene also featuring petunia is one that i was so upset that they left out of the movies and thankfully a lot of people let me know that this was a deleted scene and that is when petunia is cracking eggs and the envelopes come out of it oh i love that scene i'm so mad they Cut it from the movie. That's the thing is that some of the scenes that they cut, this little deleted scene clip was maybe 
seven or eight seconds long? Mm. Why are we cutting out something that's so fun? I know. At this time, we're not at Hogwarts yet, so we're not into, like, all the magic stuff. So I think that scene, like, establishes what we're dealing with so well. Like, oh, she has letters coming out of eggs? Like, that's so magical and fun. Right. And I understand that owls flying in and delivering letters and stuff is supposed to be magical, but it's even more magic when letters are in places that they are not supposed to be. How did they get inside of the eggs? (laughs) It makes more whimsy and magic fun to have these obnoxious situations going on. It's really mischievous too. Like, you know that those wizards sitting at Hogwarts are watching this and they're trying to (laughs) really mess with her mind. (laughs) Like Daedalus Diggle is sitting in the Ministry of Magic like, oh, I got a great idea. And then someone's like, yeah, put it in the coffee creamer. (laughs) (laughs) They are messing with the muggles. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. So I'm very sad that they left this out. And the actress who plays Petunia, I know she's been in some other stuff, so she's probably a well historically acclaimed British actress like all the other people in these movies are. But she does a great job of looking terrified. And then they pan out and there's four owls on her windowsill and she lets out a big scream. I loved it. It was so great. It It made me even more upset that it wasn't in the movie. Mm. So the next scene is one that confused me significantly. I am so baffled by this because it's not in the book at all, and I don't know what what context it would have been in the movie, but you have Harry and Hagrid on a subway of sorts. I'm assuming this is the the London tube, the tube, if you will, and they're going over the list of things that Harry is supposed to buy before he goes to Hogwarts, and one of the things Harry asks about is dragon hide gloves. He mm-hmm. says, dragon hide gloves, do they mean from a real dragon? And then Hagrid goes, well, they don't mean a penguin, do they? <laughs> and then Hagrid says that he would like to have a dragon, foreshadowing him getting Norbert. Mm-hmm. And then some lady at the end of the subway car looks with disdain towards Hagrid. <laughs> and then he gives her a very, I know that you're staring at me because I'm big, nod with a big goofy smile on, which is really great, but... Why are they taking the subway? I don't know. They don't need to do this. <laughs> when would this have been in the film? Like, I don't know what the hell is going on with this deleted scene. It makes so much sense that it wasn't in the movie because how would it have fit in? Yeah, I mean, I can see what the director was going for, like trying to show how out of place Hagrid is in the human world. But like, I mean, there are other scenes where he shows the exact same thing, like when they're walking down the street before going into Diagon Alley. So yeah, I really don't understand why this... The scene. Right. And I would assume that Hagrid being a half giant would also fall under the statute of secrecy where he can't really blend in super well. True. Since he's about eight and a half feet tall. Like, unless he wears a basketball uniform all around. But still, that's, I just, uh, this was, I was <laughs> floored. I, I was at a loss for words then and clearly I'm at a loss for words now. This scene is ridiculous. <laughs> So the next scene is uh, one that would have taken place right after the squad takes down the troll in the bathroom. Uh And you have Harry telling Ron that he shouldn't have made fun of Hermione because they wouldn't have even been in the situation in the first place if he hadn't insulted her. And then Ron says, well, what else are friends for? And then him and Hermione look at each other and smile. I actually liked that scene. You did like it? Yeah, I said that I liked it because I think that it was a good resolution to that whole arc that they have with Ron pissing Hermione off. Yeah. At least he found out that what he did was not good. Right. I like Harry... Putting Ron in his place. Yeah. But I also like the sentiment behind it of, I could really feel this in the book, is that once they got through the troll in the bathroom situation, they finally became 
friends. Mm-hmm. And then once they got through the thing at the very end of the book, they were inseparable. Yeah. So I like having a little scene to show, oh, hey, we're all friends now. I don't know that Ron making fun of Hermione and then being like, oh, what else are friends for is the way to do it. But I do appreciate trying to get that sentiment across that hey, now that we've been through this really scary thing together, we're all really close and we like each other a little bit more. Yeah, I can agree with that. I think the movies, like, overall, I think they needed a bit more, like, moments where you just show them just being friends. A hundred percent. They show all the action stuff. But, like, I'm just like, oh, I'm craving those little moments where they're just sitting in the dorm and just, like, having fun and stuff like that. Right. They remove a lot of the emotion of the story. And they also remove scenes that show why Harry and Ron are such good friends and Mm -hmm. then show scenes why Ron and Hermione become friends and then become more than friends. Yeah. Uh, A lot of these deleted scenes, unfortunately, it's just all the ones that make Ron look good are just kind of (laughs) cut. All of the things that I'm like, why did they not do this? It's just, oh, they did film it. But then all of the different directors were like, nah, fuck Ron. Yeah, it's like an anti-Ron agenda going on with the movies. Pretty much. I don't know what was going on. But yes, they were very, very Mm anti-Ron. The next scene is one that I really, really enjoyed. And this one, again, made me very sad that it wasn't in the film. So it takes place during Christmas break at Hogwarts. And this is something that definitely happened in the book. You have Harry being really sad after seeing the mirror of the Erised where he mm-hmm. sees his parents and all of that and him just being bummed out about this whole situation. But in this deleted scene, you have Harry wearing his Weasley sweater that he got from Molly, which I don't think you ever see him wear it in the films. So it was cool to see him wear it, oh. the blue sweater with the H. I didn't notice that. Yeah, so he's hanging out in a mostly empty great hall. Other kids are eating and stuff. And Ron comes up to Harry and tries to cheer him up, asks if he wants to play some wizard chess, asks him if he wants to visit Hagrid. Harry says no, he's still really upset. And Ron then tries to give advice saying to not beat yourself up about it, but also you should be weary of this mirror. I think something's wrong about it. I There's just something not right. So this is a huge Ron being a good bro yeah. moment that just gets completely axed, and I was very sad. And the fact that you mentioned that he's wearing the sweater that Ron's mom gave him, I think it adds a layer of depth to the scene, like, because he's longing for a family that he lost. And over here, there's Ron, who is his part of his newfound family. So... I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, I think that this scene does a really good job of establishing Harry's closeness with Ron and him finally finding some people that care about him. Yeah. Because the whole beginning of the movie is that his true family doesn't care about him. And then now you have... Uh, you know, the Molly sweater, like you just said, brings him into the Weasleys. And then you have Ron acting like a brother to him. Exactly. And really trying to cheer him up when he's feeling down. So this one made me sad just because, again, it makes Ron look really good. Yeah, I wish it was in the movie. Yeah. So the next scene is Hermione scolding Ron for not being ready for the finals that are coming up. And Ron is instead playing with his chocolate frog cards. <laughs> so Hermione gives him an impromptu quiz. And this is the great moment that was also in the books. Ron says, you can ask me anything. And Hermione says, how do you make forgetfulness potion? And he goes, I forget. I which is a great <laughs> joke. Then Hermione's like, well, what are you going to do when the test happens? And he goes, I don't know, cheat off of you. And then she explains the anti-cheating measurements. And then after this, you have... Neville come in with his legs bound together by some sort of jinx that Malfoy has done to him. Seamus says that he wants to do the counter curse. And then Neville's like, no, 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 no. I've seen you. You make everything explode. And then 
Harry finds Nicholas Flamel's name on the back of the Dumbledore chocolate frog card, and then the squad all read this. Ron reads it to them, and then Hermione has the flashbulb moment of, oh, and then Harry's like, yeah, I remember reading his name here, and then Hermione says, come with me, and that's when they go to the library to figure out the Nicholas Flamel thing. So this is just a huge plot development that was actually pretty important. Yeah, I don't know why they left it out. I just, this is a huge thing. It's just... I guess for the movies, it's not that big of a deal if you don't know how they arrived at all the answers. Mm -hmm. But these scenes are all very interesting because I think what's really well done by JK in the books is the way that they come to figuring out stuff. Yeah. And in the movie, they just take out all of that process. So it's just like, oh, yeah, they just realized this. Yeah. And apart from that, I think that this scene in particular is like, there's so much that you get to know about each of the characters' personality. 100%. Hermione is just like a know-it-all, and Ron is like goofing off all the time. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's this scene, if I'm remembering correctly, but he reads something about Grindelwald, which made me think, oh my God, like yeah. J.K. had established a lot of the stuff that we're getting to see now in Fantastic Beasts like so long ago, mm-hmm. which is pretty amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. I, I would love to know how much she knew from the very beginning because she very much makes it seem like, oh, I knew this all along. Yeah. Which could be true. Who's to say? I mean, some of the stuff I kind of doubt. Yeah, like the Nagini being a woman the yeah. whole time thing, I super doubt. Yeah, I, I doubt super that. doubt that one. But I wouldn't put it past her if she had in her brain Dumbledore's backstory mm-hmm. and just laid little sprinkles like the Grindelwald thing being mentioned. Because it's mentioned throughout the series. So I could see that one. But yeah, Nagini being a woman, especially how it's played out with Nagini basically being a slave to Voldemort. Yeah. Not a good look, so I don't think she knew that from day one. And then when she revealed that, she's like, I've known this spoiler for 20 years. Like, all right, JK. If you say cool, so. Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> the last deleted scene from the first film is an extended scene that happens after Snape asks Harry the questions in the first potions class that Harry has no way of knowing the answer to, mm-hmm. which is still such a bonkers interaction <laughs> that on day one of school, imagine you're Harry Potter. You learned magic was a thing a month ago. Yeah. And now your professor is asking you all these intense questions and getting mad at you for not knowing the answers. Oh, so strange. So in this deleted scene, it's just an extended part where Snape goes over to Harry's desk and gives the answers to these impossible questions he asked them. Then he gets mad at all of the class for not taking notes, which <laughs> I uh, it was, it's some good Alan Rickman Snape where he like looks side to side with his eyes and then he goes, why aren't you all copying this down? <laughs> And then he takes five points away for Gryffindor because of Harry's quote-unquote cheek that he gave Snape. He's so unreasonable. Oh, my God, Ah, Snape. So cruel. So unnecessarily cruel. Because I don't think Harry was particularly sassy to Snape in this interaction. He just didn't know the answers to these questions he shouldn't know the answers to. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to teach him that stuff. Why are you expecting him to know it? Definitely. I I think in the scene he mentioned something about a Bezor, and we see it being used in the Half-Blood Prince. So I think that's pretty cool that she thought up all of these tiny, tiny details that end up playing a pretty big part down the road. Yes, for sure. Again, this is another, I don't know what came first, the chicken or the egg. If she thought of this from the beginning or as she was writing the sixth book, she was like, oh, yeah. let's make a poison plot. But it is still really cool. And it's also very funny because I'm pretty sure that in the episode of Potter, I was like, these things are never going to come up again. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, it comes up in book six. I honestly like did not even bother like remembering any of the stuff that goes on in any of these classes. Like Whatever the stuff he said, like I, I hear it once and I've 
forget it the next second. <laughs> Looking back at it now, I'm like, oh, wow, this thing was mentioned here and we hear about it again later on. It's especially hard because, and this is a testament to JK doing a good job of it, is that for things that matter and things that don't matter, I feel like she lays them out in the same way because sometimes I'm super keen, i.e. Ludo Bagman, where I'm like, yeah, yeah. this has to be a thing. <laughs> and then it doesn't become a thing at all. But it's done the same way where, yeah, Bezor was like a throwaway line. And yeah. then it comes back to be a crucial thing in book six. So hats off to her uh, for, you know, being good at effectively hiding clues because it, and that's what made my life hard reading these books is that I was taking such meticulous notes later on where I was trying to guess stuff. Right. <laughs> Just like anything could be crucial. <laughs> anything could be huge. Because even look at later in the series when the tiara oh, right. uh, becomes the Horcrux. In book six, he just walks past a bus with a tiara on it. It's like, wow, that bust has a tiara on it. That's kind of funny. I'm going to hide my textbook here. And then book seven, it's like, this is essential to murdering Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> So let's move on to deleted scenes from the second movie. So the first deleted scene is a quick one, but it is Hagrid holding the dead roosters, which is a whole side plot with the basilisk that is just completely nixed from the second film. And ultimately, I think it makes sense because it's not that important, yeah. but it still was kind of fun to see it in the deleted scene. Like, oh, they still went through with this. I don't think it's that important. Like, it was in the books. I was like, yeah, sure. Like, it makes sense. But mm -hmm. if you took it out of the books, even it wouldn't really make a difference, I think. Right. What makes it hard in the book is that it's a clue that you can't really extrapolate on and figure out yourself right. because it's not a normal thing that you would put together. The book tells you that roosters die. Yeah. And then later on, they tell you, oh, by the way, roosters are the only things that can kill basilisks. So it's not It's not like it's not like you are reading it and thinking, wait, roosters are dead. Oh, I bet there's a basilisk inside of the school. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, Ginny killed the roosters. And that's a big thing that they kind of left out from the second movie, and this is related to it, is all of the Ginny being possessed stuff was really glossed over in the movie, and I don't know that you necessarily have to keep this scene in it, but I do think that that was something that they missed the mark on a little bit, is you just kind of lose the gravity of the situation of Ginny Weasley being the possessed one and what she went through. I felt like that didn't really hit. Yeah, I think that the movies just don't do justice to Ginny's character in general, but mm -hmm. especially so in the second book, because she plays a pretty major role in the second book. Because I did feel like a bit detached from Ginny when I was actually watching the movie without having read the book. But when I went back to read the book, I was like, huh, this like she's pretty important to all of this. I agree. Of course, later on, there's the whole, is Bonnie Wright good at acting? Was the directing bad? Was the script bad? What contributed to Ginny being underwhelming in the later movies? But in this movie, I think that what's lost is that... The situation is so much more intense because it's someone that we know. It's Ron's little sister. She's a character we care about. Yeah. And she's the one that's dealing with all of this. And I think that the movies did a disservice to her importance here and then also just the gravity of the situation by not showing that it's someone that we care about. Exactly. The next deleted scene is one that I don't know where this would have fit in, but it's Harry sitting on top of a mountain looking at Hogwarts all dramatic and moody <laughs> with Hedwig next to him. And I don't know if this is because of the YouTube video that we were using for reference or the deleted scene, but there was no audio behind it. <laughs> 
Oh, I actually know what he says here. Oh, what does he say? I think he's talking to Hedwig and saying like, who am I really? Like, I think that scene happens right uh, after people are thinking that he's the heir to Slytherin. Uh, so he's like, oh, what is my past? Who am I really? Yeah. Okay. This makes sense. And now I'm sad that this wasn't included because <laughs> as a later scene did that we'll talk about, I think another thing this movie missed the mark on is how much of everyone thinking Harry was the heir of Slytherin affected him and his friends. Yeah. I think that doesn't really come across in the film very well. Yeah, it doesn't at all. Mm -mm. When I was reading the book, I I actually for a second thought, oh, maybe he's actually the heir of Slytherin. Like, (laughs) what if? (laughs) True. And when I was watching the movie for the first time, I never suspected that at all. Mm -hmm. It goes really quickly and you focus so much more on them figuring out what's going on and less about how it affects Harry. And and they cut that, oh, we're going to talk about this later. They cut the scene with those kids in the library. Yeah, the gossip scene makes me really upset. Before we get to that scene, though, there is one deleted scene of the cursed bludger in the Quidditch match, and it's just an extended scene of Harry running away from it. But what's funny is you have Harry flying through the crowd of Slytherin (laughs) students watching the game, which is a pretty cruel but also genius strategy because Uh if the bludger just hits some other kid, maybe it'll stop chasing you. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. But it's just this like over the top comical scene of all of the kids screaming and running away from the camera. I think it makes sense that they cut it, but I just thought it was funny that Harry flew directly through the crowd of Slytherin students. Smart thinking Harry. (laughs) He's quick on his feet. What can you say? Yeah. So the next scene is the one you were talking about. It's the Hufflepuff gossip scene. Mm -hmm. So you have what I believe is Ernie McMillan and talking with Hannah Abbott yes. if we're going by who it is in the books. And Hannah is taking the side of Harry and Ernie is very much on the offensive against Harry, thinking mm-hmm. he's the heir of Slytherin, saying he's worried about Justin Flinch Fletchley because Justin mentioned to Harry that he has a muggle parent, at least one. And then also him citing that Harry being able to speak Parseltongue means that he's got to be a dark wizard. Yeah. And Harry overhears all of this and he looks really sad. And this one in particular, I really think that they should have had in the film. You get to see some Hufflepuff. You get to see how the students perceived Harry. You get to see Harry being sad about it. This is a bummer to me. Okay, firstly, I am mad that there's really less Hufflepuff scenes in like throughout the movies and in the books because I'm a Hufflepuff and okay. I demand I was representation. <laughs> no, it's the Hufflepuff gets the short end of the stick and it's yeah. truly not fair. In the books, in the movies, in the merchandise department at the Warner Brothers stores in Universal Studios. Secondly, I really think they should have put this in the movie because I think we don't get to see interaction uh, between Harry and his classmates very often. So... I would have loved to see that. It connects to the whole thing with Harry being the heir of Slytherin. I really think that they should have reinforced that little red herring in the movie somehow. Definitely, definitely. And it's something that I think that Alfonso Cuaron did better in the next movie Mm -hmm. is just showing the kids being kids and reacting to things in a normal way that children would. And gossiping and starting rumors and stuff is something that kids in middle school definitely would do. Yeah, exactly. So you lose a little bit of the element of these are children and they are acting as such. I was reading the comments on that YouTube video and someone said that, oh, imagine being um, an extra and that was the only scene in the movie that you filmed and you find out that it's been cut. (laughs) I would be devastated. Tragic, tragic. (laughs) Hopefully you still get some checks and you got paid and put on your resume and it's still on your IMDb page. (laughs) (laughs) So the next scene is one that I'm very glad they cut from the film. It's a different take on 
the Weasley family car being in the forest. Oh, yeah. Because in the movie, what they do is this fun thing where when they're running away from the spiders, they think something scary is about to come out at them. And it sounds like growling, but then it turns out to just be the car. And then the car saves them. And I think it's really fun. I agree. I agree. This scene was shot very strangely because you see the car right away. And then Harry and Ron are still scared. But then as the viewer you already know it's the car. Yeah. So it just kind of ruins any element of surprise. Yeah. Then Harry and Ron go on so you can tell that this is pre-Spiders. So I don't know. I It just ruins suspense. I don't think it contributes anything, so I'm glad that they didn't use this cut for the yeah. film. Yeah, it would have completely killed the surprise if they had added this. Yeah, it just ruins all the fun. So I don't know why they would even do it. So glad it's deleted. Good job, <laughs> directors and editors. You did one thing right. <laughs> <laughs> So the next scene is one, of course it was deleted because it helps for the plot. It's the squad, they're all in the hospital wing because Hermione is recovering from being turned into a cat with polyjuice potion. And Harry and Ron are talking with her about the diary and they're trying to figure stuff out. They're talking about the name Tom Marvolo Riddle and then Ron says, oh, I've seen that name because I had detention and I had to clean this trophy. And then they talk about the trophy and it's just this crucial plot point of how they realize the timeline because they say, oh, it was 50 years ago for this special award. And they're like, wait a second, that's when the Chamber of Secrets was opened and then they start putting everything together. It's just a crucial plot point and I don't see why, especially in this movie, apparently they all get deleted. It is. And I think that in the movie, uh, the full name, Tom Marvel or Riddle, like, do we actually see it before the final scene where he does the thing where he jumbles up the letters and, you know, like, oh, it's Voldemort. No, they don't. Right, yeah. But another thing of the book plot was... Who is Tom Riddle? Mm -hmm. Harry thinking he was a good guy. Mm -hmm. And then them recognizing this name. There's so much more to it. And... I don't know. These deleted scenes made me want to rewatch the second movie and just be like, what did they keep? Yeah. <laughs> because all of these deleted scenes seem very important. I guess maybe they thought that we would be able to guess the plot twist if they put this in. I don't know. I don't know. It's a comment that I've made many times is that it seems like they just went for all of the actions yeah, and nothing true. leading up to the actions or none of the emotions behind the actions. Mm-hmm. It's just the big bullet points and none of the sub-bullet points that explain things. Yeah, I think the, the person who directed the first two movies, Christopher Columbus, he generally directs movies for kids. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why he focused heavily on action instead of like the actual ah. crime-solving, uh, not crime-solving. Um, I mean, yeah, it's like the, the, the mystery-solving the bits. Yes, the detective work. <laughs> So that was probably the reason why. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just hoping for when they remake it as a TV series on HBO and it's way more episodes <laughs> per book. It'll be so great. I really want that. So the next deleted scene is Crab and Goyle, but it is Polyjuice Crab and Goyle where Harry and Ron are disguises them running into the real Crab and Goyle. And it's just them finding each other and being confused. What's funny is because this is a deleted scene and they didn't go all the way through the post-production, it, it's not the same two people. They have, I guess, just stand-ins that were about the same height and weight as Crab and Goyle. So when I first watched it, I was a bit confused thinking, who are these other two people and why are Crab and Goyle spooked by them? And then I remembered, oh, this must be the stand-in extras until they could reshoot or CGI or do whatever <laughs> they needed to do to make it two Crab and Goyles on each side. I'm not mad that the scene was cut, to be nah, honest. It, I think that the movie did a good enough yeah. job of getting the whole Crab and Goyle situation taken care of and not making it confusing. Mm-hmm. So I think that was totally fine. The next deleted scene is 
Harry waking up Ron after doing the Tom Riddle flashback when he blew Skidood into the diary. Yes. And he just wakes up Ron and then he says, it was Hagrid that opened the Chamber of Secrets. And then that was just the end of the scene. This was maybe four or five seconds. So I don't get why you don't just keep this in. It feels important. (laughs) I feel like they had something else in the movie that told us that they suspected uh, Hagrid was the one who uh, that opened the Chamber of Secrets. So did they shoot the same thing twice? I don't remember. They could have just put it in a different way. But I do remember mm. in this movie, the whole Hagrid being guilty thing didn't seem as constant until the end when he's finally back and they give him the 12 hour long standing ovation. But it definitely felt like a bigger things in the book throughout. So I'm I'm not sure. Let's say it's fine. They deleted the scene. No big deal. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) So the next one is another Crab and Goyle thing. You have Harry and Ron dragging Crab and Goyle into the closet after knocking them out with the floating cupcake thing. Uh, And then you do have a little scene here that I thought was nice is you have Hermione with extra sets of Slytherin robes. And then she explains that she had to steal them from the laundry. And I think that they deleted the scene just because that was not really in the book. And if you have laundry, that opens a whole new can of worms. That is so many questions of what's the laundry? Who washes them? Is it the house elves? That wasn't in the book? It might've been in the book and I could just be forgetting it. Hey, Editing Mike here, just stopping by to let you know that Past Mike was correct in that he was wrong and this is definitely in the books. Anyway, back to the podcast. But I can see why they deleted this just because it's not 100% necessary and it poses a lot of new questions. it's not necessary. The other note that I have from this deleted scene though is that the polyjuice potion is so incredibly chunky. So gross. It is- beyond chunky and it was chunky in the movie but i think from this scene it looked even chunkier so much so to the point that there is no way that ron and harry could drink it they would need to (laughs) eat it with a spoon it is so incredibly thick like it's not a potion it's like literally a soup like you have to eat it in a bowl yeah even more so it looks like some of the stuff that we used to make as kids in science lab class in middle school where you would take cornstarch and food coloring and make this really <laughs> thick, gross stuff that you could put your fingers in and it would harden around them. It, it looked impossible to drink. It, it reminds me of the weird mud pies that I used to make in my backyard growing <laughs> up, like really mushy water with mud. Yeah, Super gross. So the final deleted scene from the second movie is one that is cute, but I guess unnecessary. It's just Harry and Ron putting on the invisibility cloak getting it out of Harry's trunk, which has a nice HP on the side of it, and then putting on the invisibility cloak before they, I guess, go to the mirror of Erised or something. I liked it just because I think the way they did the visual effects of the invisibility cloak are really nice, but Mm -hmm. it's not ultimately crucial to the plot or anything. Yeah, not mad that this one was cut. No. So we can end this movie on a good note. Yay, directors and editors. (laughs) Yay. Yay, indeed. Speaking of yay, people want to sponsor this show and make it survive. That's fantastic. That makes me say yay. And it also makes me say that it's time for Wingardium Adridosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Pretty Litter. Let's say hypothetically that you're Harry Potter and Hermione's gone home to be with her muggle parents for Christmas and she's left Crookshanks with you because her dad is super allergic to cats as canonically we all know is true. You have to look over Crookshanks over Christmas break. You have no idea what you're doing. What do you want to use to make sure that your dorm doesn't smell bad and you can tell if everything's okay with Crookshanks? You want to use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter is kitty litter reinvented. Unlike traditional litter, Pretty Litter super like crystals trap odor and release moisture resulting in dry, low maintenance litter that doesn't smell. I don't 
don't know anything about cats and kitty litter, but smelly, wet kitty litter sounds pretty bad. Pretty litter is virtually dust-free because it's manufactured with a specialized de-dusting process. I gotta say, dusting on top of something smelling bad and being wet sounds atrocious, so this sounds fantastic. And you don't have a lot of storage room in your Hogwarts dormitory, and thankfully, pretty litter is there for you because it's shipped in a small, lightweight bag that lasts an entire month, so you don't have bulky containers or frequent trips to the store. Later in life, Kelly and I will get a cat. That cat's name will be Pomplamoose. And Pretty Litter is sounding like a great litter option in this hypothetical universe where Kelly and I have a cat. But if you're me or Harry not knowing anything about a cat, Pretty Litter is also here for you because it is a health indicator. It monitors cat's health by changing colors when it detects potential underlying issues, which sounds fantastic. If Hermione's gone over the break and you have to take Crookshanks to the wizard vet, now you know when you need to do so so you can keep Crookshanks alive. So if you want to make the switch to Pretty Litter today, you can go to prettylitter.com and use the promo code Potterless to get 20% off your first order. That's prettylitter.com with the promo code Potterless to get 20% off. So go to prettylitter.com, use that promo code Potterless, save 20%, and have a good litter situation so that Hermione isn't mad at you for messing up Crookshanks' whole vibe today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Arena Club. Now, if you listen to this podcast, it should be no secret that I am both a sports nerd and more of a traditional nerd. And when you think of these two types of nerddom, there's one thing that links them together, and that is card collecting. Whether you are looking to buy, trade, sell, or display a card collection of sports cards or Pokemon cards, you should check out Arena Club. ArenaClub.com is the place where you can do all of these things. I have recently made a purchase on the marketplace. I got Lieutenant Surge's Raichu, which is my favorite Pokemon, and I didn't even know that there was a Lieutenant Surge version of the Raichu. So that is a card that I now have, and it's not just some digital thing. I can have this card physically mailed to me. So there's a bunch of cool stuff you can do with Arena Club, including their slab packs. If you have ever done any sort of card collecting, you know that ripping packs or repacks can be a zero transparency type of thing where you're just hoping you get some sort of cool card. But what's nice about the slab packs with Arena Club is that you have full transparency. You see what available cards are there, what your percentage of getting them is, what the gradings are, so it is not a complete black box. You're going into this knowing what cards you might get. And I've been using Arena Club, and it's pretty cool. It's very easy for me to look up different cards. I can favorite them, see what I want, and then whenever I want them shipped to me, I can get them shipped to me, and then I'll have the physical versions of them. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash Potterless. Wow, that is a wild offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack is 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash Potterless for 10% off your first purchase. So if you want to collect some cards or rip open some packs in a more transparent way, whether you're a sports nerd or a Pokemon nerd or all sorts of nerds like me, you can use Arena Club today. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. So now we go to the third movie, which does not have a lot of deleted scenes. And that makes sense because the third movie is very long. And there were a lot of scenes that 
I was confused about why they were in there. And objectively, this is the best movie. Ooh, okay. Objectively. I thought it was pretty good. It's a big tonal shift, but Mm -hmm. I did enjoy the third film for sure. What I will say, quick note from this YouTube video that we watched, the poster that they had, they had posters to show divides between all the movies. It was one for the third movie I've never seen. It was Hermione and Harry close up with another Hermione and Harry in the background and close up Hermione's holding the time turner and then the little note says you don't have to turn back time Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban is still in theaters that's cute <laughs> which is really good I didn't notice that poster when I was watching the video so I have to go back and look at it now yeah I just saw it and I had never seen that poster before and I thought it was weird that they seemingly quoted a share lyric of you don't need to turn back time but then the <laughs> subtext says it's still playing in cinema so I go okay I guess they released this poster a month or two after the movie was out and there was so much hype because I think this movie was really some of the peak hype of the series Mm -hmm. so I could see why they would have to make things telling people don't worry the movie's still going on you're not too late it was really weird when I was a kid and this movie came out Mm -hmm. um, our local cartoon network used to air this movie on weekends Whoa! for like a few weekends consecutively I don't know how but yeah while the movie was still in theaters I'm not sure about that but I think it was around the time when it newly came out okay okay shout out to Cartoon Network I think they are owned by Warner Brothers indirectly maybe Mm. so maybe that was the connection But yeah, Cartoon Network doesn't necessarily spring to mind as the hub of watching the Harry Potter films. (laughs) But that's how I first watched the movie on Cartoon Network. That's great. I mean, they are inherently not cartoons, so it doesn't (laughs) make 100% sense. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But shout out to uh, Pakistani Cartoon Network. (laughs) (laughs) So the first deleted scene from this movie is just an extended cut of night bus driving, which I already felt like the scene was way too long in the movie. Same. So I'm glad that they didn't make it even longer than it needed to be. But one thing that I did appreciate from this deleted scene is that because they didn't do all of the post-production on it, you can see some of the green screen and blue screen yeah. elements in the background and some of the extra wires. So they have all of the furniture inside of the cart on wires so that it moves around but not too far. And then I think there's even some wires on or near Harry because they do some scenes where he gets moved around and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of cool to see a little bit of the behind the scenes element of how they shot it. But ultimately, I am glad they didn't put this in the movie because the night bus scene was weird, especially with the Jamaican talking head. Yes, I was just going to say that. (laughs) (laughs) And I am thankful that it was not longer than it already was. Yeah. So the next scene is also just peak Alfonso Cuaron because this is a scene that was in the movie that I already thought was strange. It's the bird flying that then gets flicked to death Ah. by the Whomping Willow to show the change in seasons. But this deleted scene is just the bird flying more across campus. It flies and bothers Hagrid and he swats it out of the way. And then it goes to the Whomping Willow and then it gets flicked to death. So I think it's totally fine that this got deleted seeing as I didn't see why the transitional scene existed in the first place. Same. Like for a second, I thought that maybe he wants to reinforce how dangerous the Whomping Willow is. But like... I don't think that's needed. We already know that. Mm -hmm. I talked about this in the movie episode. I think they were just trying to remind you that the Whomping Willow is there because it becomes a bigger plot point later on in the movie. But yeah, the way in which it was done, I thought was always kind of silly. Just these transitional scenes that didn't really contribute. But hey, we're just going to let Alfonso Cuaron be Alfonso Cuaron because (laughs) I thought the rest of the vibe of the movie was very fun. So we'll take it. Yeah. (laughs) 
So the next deleted scene I found interesting. It's everyone coming back from the Hogsmeade trip that Harry couldn't go on because he couldn't get his permission slip signed. And it's everyone telling Harry about how fun it was. Ron is saying that it was awesome and Zonko's was really cool. And then Hermione tries to cheer Harry up saying, oh, but it wasn't that cool. And Ron's like, that cool? It was the best. Oh yeah, it was really boring. (laughs) Just Ron completely failing to downplay how cool it was. But there are some things that were somewhat important to the plot that were left out because the scene was deleted. First, you have Ron mentioning the Shrieking Shack, which becomes important in the story. Right. And then also you have Ron giving Harry a Sneakoscope, which isn't the most important thing, but you see the Sneakoscope, which the the prop of it was kind of weird looking. It looked like a clear- (laughs) Kid's toy. Yeah, it looked like a kid's toy or a clear Christmas ornament. Ah, yeah. It didn't look completely finished, but- I watched some clips of the movie and the sneakoscope is in some other clips. Like I think Harry's holding it at one point and Neville's holding it later on. So it does just make its way into the movie and the origin of it is gone. So I guess you wouldn't really need to notice, but I did think it was funny that the sneakoscope did make it in, but its origin was axed. The sneakoscope was like a pretty fun clue in the book. Yeah. I kept wondering, oh, is this thing broken? Like, why is it going off randomly? Mm-hmm. So when we got the final revelation about Peter Pettigrew, right. like I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. So... I think they should have like added that scene in. And another thing about that scene that I really like is that the third movie is like such a tonal shift from the first two movies. Mm-hmm. Like everything is so much darker. I really like that that scene is like a burst of color. Right. Even though like the whole tone of the movie is like going to a much darker place, like we still sort of remember like, yeah, okay, it's still pretty whimsical, the whole universe. So I really like that. Definitely. I think that's something Alfonso Cuaron excels in in the movie is making you feel like you're in the universe, having some magical whimsy, and then also just showing kids being kids in school and acting as such. Yeah. And especially interacting with the magic because at the end of the scene, you have Harry eating some sort of candy. And then I guess they were going to put in a visual effect because he just starts to laugh and nothing really happens. Mm-hmm. But again, you get more of the students just interacting with the magical world around them. And I think that's interesting. Yeah. This scene should have been left in, I think. Mm-hmm. So the next two deleted scenes hurt my soul that they were removed because they are <laughs> extended Sir Cadogan scenes, oh. which make me really, really sad. Sir Cadogan barely makes his way into the third movie. He's just briefly there as the replacement for the fat lady. Mm-hmm. But this first Sir Cadogan scene is him trying to brag about himself, saying that he's up to the task to be the password protector, and if anyone needs any help, come to me, I'm Sir Cadogan. And little goofy hijinks happen where as he's trying to act all cool and suave, his helmet falls over his face. I don't know if the actor who played him is someone famous or someone from Monty Python or something, but he was really funny, and I was really sad that they didn't keep this one in. Ron gets sassy with him, too. I love a sassy Ron. I'm sad that sassy Ron got cut. Same. And then the final deleted scene, also a Sir Cadogan one. This scene is important. Yeah, it's everyone in the Gryffindor common room. After Sirius Black was found trying to find... Harry. And you have McGonagall in her pajamas, everyone else 
in their pajamas and McGonagall trying to figure out what is going on. So she calls upon Sir Cadogan to come over and asks him about the password situation. The The interaction is great because Maggie Smith as McGonagall goes, Sir Cadogan, did you let anyone suspicious in <laughs> to the common room today? And he goes, I did, but he had the passwords. Like it's so, it's He's so, so good. He's so proud of his poorly executed job. And that's also, I think, really important because it explains how Sirius got in. I get that it's not super crucial, but the whole Neville writing the passwords down on the piece of paper, that's how he got in. I think it does just answer a little bit of, oh, that's how we got it. It's not 100% crucial, but yeah. I like this scene more for the emotion behind it of, of the students being scared. Even Percy, the prefect, he has a couple lines in here and he is scared. He's supposed to be sure of himself. Mm -hmm. McGonagall is really trying to calm them down and, but then also warn them that he might come back. So be on guard. So I think that the plot elements of the scene, not necessarily huge, but the emotions of it are very fun. And I'm sad that that didn't make it into the movie. Same. And like Neville is like one of my favorite characters. Oh, I love so it. every scene that Neville gets, I'm just happy. So yeah. Just for Neville, I'm mad that the scene got cut. I agree. I think that the movies as a whole didn't make Neville a big enough deal until the very end. Yeah. They do a good job in the eighth movie of making him important, but it felt very abrupt because Neville is definitely a bigger character throughout. You have the little things in the movie. I, they add Neville a couple parts in, in the movies. Like they, he's the gillyweed guy instead of Dobby in the fourth movie, but right. I felt like they could have given Neville more love throughout. I agree. Okay, so now we are getting to the final movie we'll be covering the deleted scenes for, and that is Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. The first scene, it's very quick, but it's all of the kids singing along to the Sorting Hat song. I'm very glad they cut this. I hate the Sorting Hat song. <laughs> I have no qualms with the editing team nixing this from the movie. <laughs> Wait, is that the one where um, Dumbledore is like waving his wand and then there's like letters coming up? Hey, editing Mike here. So Javi is correct. In this YouTube supercut that we watched, they cut it short, but I will put a link in the episode description for this full scene as well. There's a deleted scene that includes the Hogwarts students singing the Hogwarts theme to the other schools. This iconic song is Hoggy Warty Hogwarts. The scene involves Dumbledore standing up and in classic yelling fourth movie Dumbledore style goes, let's show these students how we have fun here at Hogwarts. And they sing the song. Dumbledore has a magical banner show up and then he moves his wand with a bouncing ball. Like it's one of those sing-along children's music videos. <laughs> and all of the kids start emphatically singing. There's awkward zoom-ins on everybody's face. And then at one point, it pans to Victor Crumb, who has such an intense look of disdain on his face. He looks like he would rather be anywhere else in the world. And I love it so much. I totally understand why this was not in the film because the song is terrible and it's cheesy, but just for Victor Crumb's reaction alone, this should have been in a film and whoever was working on the fourth movie that had the final say in this being cut should be arrested for a felony. Anyway, back to the podcast. That's supposed to be like the Hogwarts theme song or something? Yeah, that's what the Sorting Hat sings in the beginning of the year. Ah, okay. Like, J.K. even wrote the lyrics in the book, but I don't remember it. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, there is, like, a theme song separate one because the Sorting Hat has his ominous song, but then I think Hogwarts does also have a theme. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's fine they deleted it. <laughs> <laughs> so the second deleted scene is the one that I thought was so cute, and I'm really sad. So you have three... Durmstrang dudes looking great in their outfits. They got the hats, the jackets, they look suave. And it's one guy asking one girl 
to go to the Yule Ball, and it's three and three, so the guy asking has two friends behind him. The girl being asked has two friends behind her. He asks her to go to the ball. She is cutesy and like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and then her friends lean in and they go, no, 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 say yes, say yes. So then she laughs and then says yes, and then the three guys all bow in unison. Pretty cool. And then they get a couple steps away looking really proper, and then they completely break looking serious, and the, the friends lovingly push him on the shoulders and give him props and congratulations congratulate him and high five him and stuff. I thought this scene was so cute. I so really, good. Really I love that liked scene. It. And then it pans to Harry and Ron <laughs> looking really sad because they aren't asking people. And again, this is something that I don't think it really made its way into the movie because the next deleted scene is Harry trying to stop Cho in the hallway to ask her to the ball, but then she gets whisked away by her friends. And this definitely happens in the books. So these two scenes combined, I think that they detract from the high school prom-esque feeling that the squad goes through. And right. I just thought the scenes were really cute and they very much felt like what happens in high school and it made me upset that they didn't make it through. I liked them. Yeah, like you can really feel the struggle in the books. Like they're struggling really hard to get dates. Mm -hmm. I really think they should have included the scene in the movie. Yeah, because they weren't that long either. I think they're super cute. Keep them in. And I was dying to see um, more of like the other schools. A hundred percent. That's such a missed opportunity in the movies. There is so much going on with the other schools coming in and how they interact and more stuff with Karkarov and Maxime. And I think that it was incredibly glossed over in the movie. I agree. So the next scene is one that starts off bad, but then becomes very good. So you start with this spinning, rotating, bird's eye view <gasps> of the Yule Ball dancing. And I don't know about you, but I legitimately got dizzy watching it. I was just going to say that, that that thing gave me motion sickness when I was watching it. It really did. And I personally am very susceptible to motion sickness in particular things. Like I can't read a book in a car. Same. Same, same, when same. I was a kid, I also couldn't play video games like Game Boys in the car. And it used to make me really upset because on the way to school and stuff, people used to play Game Boy on the bus and I just couldn't because I would get motion sick. So I remember starting a Pokemon career at the same time as my buddy Josh. And he was so much farther ahead of me because he could play <laughs> in the car and on the bus and stuff. And I couldn't. Oh, harder late. Uh, For me, like I play a lot of Overwatch. So okay. I cannot play Tracer or Wrecking Ball because both of the characters go so fast and the oh. camera is just going like crazy. So it gives me motion sickness. Yeah, I'm better about motion sickness now. I still do get it. If I take a taxi or an Uber or a Lyft in New York, I get it really badly because the drivers here usually keep their cars very warm, which makes Ooh. me confused. But then also it's just a lot of gas break, gas break, gas break. And that really gets me going. And mm -hmm. the only real solution I can have is if I'm sitting shotgun and can look out of the front windshield. Usually I can avoid being motion sick if that happens. Mm -hmm. But... Yeah, I've gotten a little bit better about playing games or whatever in the car, but I don't know. I'm glad that you also felt this way because the spinningness was hard because it spins and rotates and then it pans down and then back up. There's a lot of movement. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how they filmed that or if it's just CGI. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they had this really intense crane rig set up. Mm, probably. When I get those interviews with all of the uh, film teams, you know, <laughs> later on down the road when I become important, <laughs> I'll, <laughs> I'll be sure to ask them and I'll let you know. But then the scene gets really good because 
it has the weird sisters singing dance like a hippogriff. And it's fantastic. I will say if you guys go to this link in the video, for some reason, maybe it's copyright stuff. They put some other song over it. But you can find the YouTube clip if you search. I'll also put this one underneath in the description, or you can just search the Weird Sisters deleted scene, do the hippogriff. It's fantastic. I've said on the podcast before that all of the musicians that they get are people from different British rock bands. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun. And I did a live show episode in Atlanta with... Brian from Draco and the Malfoys, a wizard rock band. And we just covered all of the musicians and all of the songs of the bands in the Wizarding World. And I went through the lyrics of Do the Hippogriff because I think this song is in the credits at the very end of the movie. Mm -hmm. So they have the full lyrics for it. And I hadn't listened to it at the time, but just reading the lyrics, I thought this really sounds like a Billy Idol song. And then when I was watching this deleted scene, they make it sound exactly like a Billy Idol song. It sounds just like Dancing With Myself. It's super fun. It's a really good song. I'm actually kind of mad that the whole song wasn't in the movie. I mean, I can understand that you couldn't possibly put like such a long clip in the movie of just them singing. Yeah, it's four minutes. It's lengthy. But it was fun, and I also just really enjoyed seeing a Wizarding World take on a rock band. Yeah. And I think this is some of the things that the movies did best. And it's something that I guess we lost out on because we didn't read the books as kids and then get to see it. Mm -hmm. I've talked with some people about it, and a lot of people say, oh, yeah, even though the movies are bad, they're still so special to me because I had a vision in my head of what things looked like, and then the movies let me actually see those. So I can understand that emotion behind it. Mm -hmm. But the way that they do this rock band is so cool because instead of microphones, they have little old school cheerleader megaphones. Mm -hmm. And then even the amplifiers behind them are just big versions of that, which is really cool. And then there's just some cute little things. The guitar has three necks on it, which is (laughs) such a cool wizardy thing. The bass, the stand-up bass looks all funky. All of their outfits are really cool. The cymbals are clear and see-through made of, I guess, plastic. I don't know. There, It's just, it looks really cool. I, the bagpipe player looks awesome. There's so many cool things going on. And the song is really fun, too. Yeah. Another amazing thing about this concert with the Weird Sisters is that Flitwick crowd surfs. He is the one that introduces the band. He says the band needs no introduction. So I don't know if this is some legal thing where they can't say the Weird Sisters uh-huh. because of copyright or if they just chose not to just to keep it vague. But then he starts to crowd surf, which is so great. Did he not crowd surf for that movie? Because I feel like I remember him crowd surfing. I don't know why. I don't know if it made its way into the actual movie, but in the deleted scene, it's there and it was so fantastic. It's the best thing Because they do have a little bit of the band in the movie. So maybe they kept the crowd surfing in. Mm-hmm. At least in this deleted scene, there are multiple shots of the crowd surfing, which I really appreciate. Flitwick just letting loose. <laughs> I love Flitwick having a good time. He deserves a good time. He does. He does. He's the dueling master. He's the head of Ravenclaw House. He deserves to have fun. (laughs) I can see why they had to cut it for time, but it was a really, really cool scene. I just love everything about the band, like the costume design and everything, because when I read the books, like, Mm -hmm. that is not what I pictured in my head. Like, it was nowhere as cool. Not at all. Not at all. I always imagined, I've said this on the podcast, I thought that they would literally be sisters. So I was imagining (laughs) Wizarding World Heim. Same. 
<laughs> so it was funny. Yeah, the lead singer is wearing a fur coat with no shirt underneath, and it has mm-hmm. tassels down the side of it. It's a good look. It's a good look. And the makeup as well. Very solid. What was also very funny is when I was watching this on YouTube, on the side, all of the related videos were music videos from the bands that the people uh. in the, <laughs> the Weird Sisters are in. It was really <laughs> funny. So then the next deleted scene is Harry walking through the courtyard while the Yule Ball is going on and you have some people making out by a column and then one of the guys says, get lost, basically. (laughs) And then Harry walks by people making out in a carriage. But it is very fogged up window Titanic-esque. Yes. The carriage is rocking back and forth. There is creaking. You hear giggling and stuff, (laughs) which... Seems a little, I I mean, maybe they were seniors, but I don't know, man. Mm. (laughs) Felt a little intense for a children's movie. But then the rest of the scene is something that I actually really enjoyed and I think is important is Snape and Karkarov having an argument about Voldemort being back, the dark mark, the tattoos, and Harry gets to overhear all of this. It's extended clips of Snape going through catching the people making out, which I thought was more fun in the book because it was people making out behind shrubberies Uh, and such. And Snape destroying those, which is in this deleted scene, it's just him opening the carriage doors and kicking people out. But I do think that the Karkarov Snape back and forth was completely lost in the movie, was completely lost in the movie. And there was really no point in the movie that it made it feel like Karkarov was a suspect. I agree. And I think that that's kind of lost in the film. For a pretty significant amount of the book, I did suspect Karkaroff. He's sketchy. Let me just say, I did not like the Goblet of Fire movie. Oh, okay. I I feel like they changed a lot of stuff from the books. Right, they did. How they represented each of the schools, like that Mm -hmm. made me a little bit mad. And they cut out Ludo Bagman. How? how, (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's favorite character. I mean, more so than cutting out Ludo Bagman, I think they really changed the whodunit aspect of the fourth. The fourth book really felt like a whodunit. Yeah, I agree. And you have all of these suspicious people. Is it Snape? Is it Karkaroff? Is it Barty Crouch Sr.? Is it Ludo Bagman? Mm -hmm. And the way that the movie did it instead was they show you Barty Crouch Jr. from the jump being guilty. Yeah. And they show him being at the World Cup and then he's in the flashback and they do all that differently. So the mystery instead is not who did it, but it's more of who is this guy? Yeah, I agree. And how is he involved? And then the reveal is that he's disguised as Moody. So yeah, I, I think you just lose a lot of the suspicions that the squad has for the people around them. I agree. And even if like they cut out the part with Snape opening the carriage doors, I think they should have included his talk with Karkaroff. I think that was pretty significant. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. This leads into the next scene, which further builds upon suspicions. And I guess they just decided this wasn't important in the movie. You have Ron, Harry, and Hermione talking about how strange it was what happened to Barty Crouch, because this is where Barty Crouch is found dead on school grounds. So they are freaking out about him being dead on campus. And Hermione and Ron warning Harry that something bigger is afoot here. This isn't just a Triwizard Tournament anymore. Mm -hmm. There is something really bad going on. And that's all they said. And I know this isn't huge for the plot, but it sets the tone. And I think it's important to know that Harry should be really scared right now. Yeah. I remember 
when I was watching the movie, I didn't really um, take the stuff that was happening in the background that seriously. Sure. Like uh, my main focus was the Triwizard Tournament. That's that was what I was focus on. super invested in. But when I was reading the books, like there's pretty equal balance in like what's happening behind the scenes and the actual tournament mm-hmm. itself. The movie really focused on the Triwizard Tournament. They never go to class in the movie. Yeah. You're right. Uh, you lose a little bit of the element of Harry being scared. He's already scared for his life just having to deal with the Triwizard Tournament Mm -hmm. and not getting murdered by dragons or mermaids or whatever. But now there's this extra element where there's something more dangerous going on than this already dangerous tournament. And I think that's lost with these two scenes being deleted. Yeah. So the final scene that I don't think makes any sense, so I'm glad they got rid of it. The squad is talking about the Karkarov and Snape arm tattoo situation. They're saying, what do you think's on Karkarov's arm? And... I guess they cut it because they just had to cut all mentions of this. But then you have a really weird ending to the scene, which is Harry saying, someone's coming closer. I can feel it. And it zooms in on his head and then dramatic violins play in the background. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 no. It was where very is silly. Where is scene like placed in the chronology of the movie? I don't know where it would have been because I don't know when the squad finds out about the arm tattoo, but I think it's like in between the second and the third tasks, maybe, Mm -hmm. or in between the first and second. But I just really found the musical score paired with the dramatic zoom in on Harry's face (laughs) to be a comic combination. (laughs) And I think it's fine that it didn't make it in the movie. Yeah, and I'm mad that it didn't make it in. So again, we're ending this movie on a good note and we're ending this episode on a good note. Yay, directors and editors. You did good by not putting this scene in. So, Javi, thank you so much for joining on and discussing these deleted scenes from the first four movies with me. Thank you for having me. Of course. Yeah, thanks for coming on. And if people want to find you and what you do online, where can they do so? So I'm an illustrator and I make comics. And if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Javi underscore draws. Mm -hmm. And that's draws with an S, unlike Joe Nasty Draws, who was on the podcast before. He spells it with a Z. Oh, yes, with an S. But yeah, go check out our It's high quality stuff. It is very good. I am so baffled by people that are good at art because I struggle to draw a straight line with a ruler. (laughs) So I don't know how you do it. But yeah, thanks for being on the show. I'm glad we could have a fellow adult who did not read the books as a kid on so I can, you know, commiserate in my lack of childhood with someone. Mm, Me too. (laughs) Uh, And this was a really fun time. So Javi, thanks for being on. Listeners, thanks for listening. And as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, before they go to start making out in a carriage during the Yule Ball, wizard on! Hey, if you're all caught up on Potterless and other Multitude podcasts and you want some new Multitude content, you should check out the Multi Crew. This is especially poignant because I will say that I'm developing something new and we will be showcasing it on the Multi Crew eventually. I will be mum about it other than that, but if you go to multicrew.club, you can sign up today for just five bucks and you get access to the RSS feed. You can also join at higher tiers and get more bonus features, but we pilot new shows there sometimes and I'm working on new shows. So if you want to be the first to hear that, you can join the multi crew today. Potterless was created by Mick Schubert. It is hosted by Mick Schubert. It is edited by Mick Schubert. It is produced by Mick Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Aaron Johnson, Klaus Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfilio, Rosemary, Dodge, Marie, Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadonira, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, 
Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Amelia Krauss, Sarah Nink, Ben Silver, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian the Owl, Haley Hastings, Moster, Alex Consilver, John Kotker, Noel Beausoleil, Liz Bigelow, Brendan Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lotta Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Mark, Lou Frieda, Jay Svensson, Ivor Peterson, Summer Rathel, Andrea Kroc, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosnowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Addie, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alfred, Alicia McLaren, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Marta Morrison, Eileen Gazesh, Keegan Curran, Mr. Folk, Maya, Flor Sake, Siri Scarsfjord, Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Adele Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Elizabeth Christofferson, Michael David Yordi, Tiffany Cottrell, Kelly Otilio, Carrie Crumpler, Connie Binkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Husser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Zapeta, Courtney Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, Julie Walton, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Brianna Jordan, McKenna Tweedy, Heather Langeal, Brad Harding, Thomas Chavara, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Laurie McDonald, Chrissy Tew, Jarl Sviven, Haley Logan, Ashley Enstrom, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose Daub, Nicole Linzer, Callahan and Darius, Kylo the Husky, Leah Reed, Melissa Rab, Bella Barlack, Melanie Demi, Bill Gill, Victoria Colcaperi, Elizabeth Yu, Britt McLean, Becca Spry, Reese Diggin, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's Mom, T Run Money, Madison Kyle, Don't Call Me Nymphadora, GK Have It Your Way, Sabrina Balsiger, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Gerabat, Melanie Dugreif, David Douglas, Maria Matt Barger, Okamahime, Yimki Bony Pony, Jacob Rossitano, Kelsey Gillespie, Taco Blowfish, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rochelle Mobs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kittis, Colleen Waters, Stinda Vokter, Laurel Happy, Ross Ann Batamana, Erica Butler, Miranda Hurley, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web design by Kelly Schubert, and the music is by Bettina Campamanas. If you want to find us on social media, you can at Facebook.com slash Potterless, Twitter.com slash Potterless Pod, Instagram.com slash Potterless Podcast, and Reddit.com slash r slash Potterless. For any and all information about the show, you can head on over to PotterlessPodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to Patreon.com slash Potterless, and for merch, you can go to PotterlessPodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether it's in person from six feet away or online through a review, that would really help. Stay safe. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, Wizard on!